Hello, and welcome to another episode of Ales with Aslan, where we encourage and equip our friends in the sales force with new and innovative ways to manage your day and manage your accounts. Consider this a therapy session of sorts. You'll hear these every Friday afternoon as we release them and take what you can away from them, whether you're celebrating a great week or commiserating about a bad week. This week, we uh, delve into a bunch of resolutions that you could consider in the new year. Tom Stanfell, one of our uh, founders, our CEO, and one of our chief writers, has a great blog up on our website called Seven Questions and Seven Resolutions to Sell More in 2019. We dive deep into three or four of the major topics. We hope you enjoy it and have a great listen. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Ales uh, with Aslan. I'm here with Tom Stanfield, our CEO. And uh, today we're going to talk, Tom, about your blog that you wrote about New Year's resolutions. But as you know, we have to start out at the top, at the top. with something cold and frosty. And so uh, what is it you, uh, you're you going to be consuming today on uh, Ales with Aslan? Mr. Cassidy, today I bought this beer. I'm going to talk about a beer I bought in Portland. So it's really far from here on the West Coast, but I bought this uh, in Portland called the Double Mountain Hot Lion IPA. But I love a good IPA, and I, what caught my attention was the lion, because you know Aslan is representative of the lion. Absolutely. Lion. So I'm going to start, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour myself a little IPA for all of you IPA fans, and then... Um, it's got great color. It's got really color. nice. Very good. I've, I've already had a sip, to be honest with okay, you. Okay, well... I'm very, I'm very much enjoying this IPA. I have not cheated... Um, I'm going to actually crack mine. Okay. This is a, I just love the name and, and I have to admit, I got, I got taken by the name. It's the funky Buddha brewery and I'm having their hop gun oh. India pale ale because, and, and it's got little planes on it. Like, you know, like top gun, but it's hop yeah, gun. Don't you think? Like so so I'm, what, what is it? Well, it's an India pale ale. Oh, India pale yeah, ale. yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. It looks 7% alcohol, so we'll have to go okay, a little bit easy on that. Show. That could be a short, short show. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back to another episode. And Tom, I mentioned right at the uh, outset that we've got um, a great blog you wrote that's that's got a bunch of resolutions that you came into the year with. And, and there were three that I thought were really sort of appropriate that I think our listeners may may have a lot of interest in. And, and, the, and the first one is really around... Um, you know, practicing. Yeah. Do sales reps practice what they do? Uh, and it was, you know, it was funny because as I was reading your blog, I was thinking about uh, Malcolm Gladwell. You've yeah, probably read right. some of his books. And yeah. one of them was around uh, Outliers, a, you know, a statistical analysis book. And it talked about 10,000 hours to perfect any craft, whether you're a violinist or a country singer. And it's funny, you mentioned, you know, singers uh, in this blog. But what do you mean by sales reps practicing? Like, what, what does that mean to you? What should they be doing? Yeah, yeah, I love you mentioned Gladwell and what sparked this thought, and I'll get to your answer to the question, but I was was watching Where the Light Is with John Mayer, and somewhere in the interview in the movie, they asked him about playing with other people, and he said, you know, I spent eight years alone playing in a room. So, in other words, he spent eight years by himself yeah. crafting his talent before he ever made it to the stage, and I just Incredible. kind of thought about that eight years. Yeah. And I started thinking about us and, and the, those of us in sales, and I just thought, you know, do we 
do we really practice? You know, we, we, we try to find opportunities. We work on deals. We, we enter stuff in Salesforce. And we manage all the activities. But do we actually practice our craft? And I think sales, salespeople, sales role, sales, you know, that kind of uh, career, I think, requires the same amount of practice as a musician. Right. You know, I mean, I think you need to develop, you know, being competent at selling, you know, is three things, talent, skills, and knowledge. Okay. Right? You know, yep. talent's like the thing that we're born with. Um, we, you know, how charismatic we are, how quick we can think on our feet, our intelligence, some things that we can't change. And obviously that's important. And knowledge is obviously what we need to know about our customer and our product. But skills, that has to be developed. And skill in sales, selling is like athletes, like, 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 um, Again, musicians, and I think that's just something that we forget. Yeah, yeah. Are there are there ways that you can practice? I mean, are we talking about staring at the mirror and practicing your pitch, or are we talking about having a mentor that sort of watches us? What are what are some tried and true methods to to practice? Sorry, I was just having this. I here. saw that my my, my hotline. Oh, I hope it was worth um, it. You know, the, what I typically encourage people to do when I'm when I'm delivering a workshop is is practice before the meeting and practice after the meeting. So really words, before the meeting. Yeah. So like if I'm going to have a major presentation, which I had a couple of weeks ago, a major presentation, and I started thinking about um, how much time I practice before the presentation. And I would say it's anywhere from four to eight hours for every hour of presentation. So it's, it's, it's so I'm spending, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? What's the, what's on the white decision makers whiteboard? What do they care about? How am I going to set up the point? Um, I get other people's feedback. Then when I'm in the, 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 the meeting or the presentation, right? I just, you just got to kind of do what comes natural. Right. You need to be in the moment, be present. You're not practicing. You're actually, you know, you're on the field, if you will, or you're, you're delivering the concert. And then this is where I think a lot of people, also miss it is after you deliver like when you yeah when it's over what do you do right yep. and i think the most important thing is to just to, to, to figure out what it, what could you have done better yep right how could i've improved it while it's fresh when yeah. you know right I've after you never got... had the perfect meeting said the perfect thing right I never made a mistake yeah and so how that's to me the key to practicing is what do i do before and what do i do after um and you know and plan that yep you know yep. And think about it yep no, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I mentioned it earlier, and I'm wondering, I want to come, kind of come back around to how important is it to have someone else observe uh, how you prepare? Yeah, like you is there, a, I mean, a coach or a, or a sales leader or even a peer, I suppose, but someone that gives you a second set of eyes on your, on your, you know, your, yeah. your craft? Yeah, I think we, I think we all have, I think that's a great question. I think we all have biases. You know, mm -hmm. we all have blind spots. We all have ways that we see ourselves. There's talents that we have that we don't really recognize. Yeah. But there's also gaps that we have that we don't recognize. And I think because, um, I mean, there's been a lot of studies about that. I mean, I think one of the, my favorite uh, statistics is 95% of college professors think they're above average. Right. Well, that's just, just not possible, right? right? So people, there's just there's a level of denial that we have, yeah. right, about our abilities because it's kind of painful, right, sometimes to see what our gaps are. So um, I've made a practice of inviting people in to give me feedback to help me see, you know, what what are what are those blind spots that I'm just not tapped into? I so, don't think you've ever invited me to that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. love well, to be a part because, of it. because you have to you have to trust people. You know, <laughs> I know, you no, know, and I would invite you and. and, and Kidding, but yeah, I mean, you don't invite everybody in, right? I mean, you know, if you have a coach, a manager, a leader that you trust, 
you know, and I would imagine a lot of us don't get coached, but I think it's critical to invite people in and help you see things that maybe you're not aware of. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Well, this is this this particular topic um, of seeking feedback of of practicing our craft. And it's funny because one of the taglines of the show is master your craft. And right. that's, of course, master the craft of beer. Right. And I just dropped that. But uh, as well as the craft of selling. Um, are there any other pieces of practice that we've missed or any other things that you wanted to sort of illustrate before I go to my second uh, interesting tidbit in your in your blog? No, I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think the key is, is just, you look at your week yep, week after week after week yeah, and think, okay, have I set specific time aside to practice or do I just keep doing the same thing over and over again? And, and I think, um, people that are very successful do one thing consistently, they get out of their comfort zone, right? You know, they push themselves to go to the next level, right? right? Which means they're going to fail. Yeah. Right. You know, and so if you push yourself outside your comfort zone, then you're going to fail. But you keep practicing, you're going to get better. I just went skiing with my with my sons and they were and I've been skiing a long time. And they're like, they were asking me some questions about, you know, getting better. And like, well, if you're going to get better, you got to fall. And I'm like, and candidly, I'm not willing to fall. Yeah. Right. So I'm, my skiing is plateaued. Yeah. Because I'm 57 years old and I'm not willing to fall. But if you want to get better. You got to be, which be on the is part edge. of inviting people in. You know, we want to invite people in because they're going to tell us, "Hey, you fell." Yeah, and I think that's that's painful, but it's less painful if you invite them in. But I think embracing the idea of getting out of your comfort zone, being willing to to fail, yeah. and look at that as success. That's going to keep moving you towards getting better at what you do, yeah. rather than staying. The same. It really it makes a ton of sense. It really does. Um, which is th- this other point that you made in the blog that I really love, which is. Do you choose your prospects and or your customers? And 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 I thought of this because, you know, a sales rep's got a quota and I've got to make a number. So, you know, my mentality might be throw as much stuff in the top of the funnel as I can because some of it's going to fall out. Right. And so I probably don't think of it as I've got to choose the right customer. But you you have a different view of that. You, you, you seem to illustrate that there's something we should consider about choosing our customers wisely. Yeah. And why is that? It's funny that I I just want to think the first thing that I learned in selling when I started my career, gosh, 30 years ago, um, is that the most successful people in sales choose who they want to pursue. Yeah. It's kind of like attorneys, right? You know, attorneys, (laughs) this reminds me of the story. It's kind of attorney, the best attorneys only pick the cases they can win. Right. Right. They know. Yeah. uh, I remember talking to an attorney about a, a car accident that I was in and thinking, okay, well, maybe we could have a settlement. Maybe this is worth pursuing because this guy blindsided us. And once he found out how much money was at risk and how potentially what the, what the, I guess the payoff could be, he hung up on me. <laughs> <laughs> now, he was a friend of mine. Yeah. It was kind of funny, but yeah. it was real. I mean, he's like, I can't make any money helping you. And the reality is we only have, we have a limited amount of time. Yep. We can only serve so many people. And every time you're working on a deal, you're losing a deal. Yeah. So the best reps choose who they can serve. They pick their customer. They're not just saying who, who wants me. Yeah. Who will talk to me. Right. They're very intentional about choosing who they serve. So I think that's, I think that's important because we work so hard to get in the door. Yeah. We work so hard to get a meeting or it takes so much time to finally see an opportunity develop. And then we want to hold on to it. Right. And so we want to write it as far as we can to see if they'll hope and hope that it'll work out rather than say, nope, I got in the door. 
I got the meeting and I had to work really hard. And now I'm going to put a different hat on. I'm going to say, is this where I want to invest my time? Can I really solve a problem here? Should they invest in my solution? Because ultimately the rep should own the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Like the rep, once they get the meeting and the customer says, I want to talk to you and the door is open, right. And they're sitting down. Then the rep should say, should take on, put on the, look at what are we trying to do here? And should we even solve this problem? Yeah. Right. Because the rep should know what's, should really have the best expertise and they're, they're the most qualified to lead that process. Yeah. And if they do and they take that approach then ultimately they're going to step back and say, you know what? I don't think you should solve this problem. Yeah. And then they're free right. to go pursue somebody else. Yeah. Right. And you probably have a customer now that respects that, right? I mean, you, yeah. do you have a problem mm-hmm. and is it worth solving? Those are actually two parts of this, you yeah. know, same question, but it's important to ask that second, is it worth solving? Is it worth spending money and time to solve that? Right. So, um, yeah, that, that's good. That's good. Um, you know, I, one of the things that I, it, the term win-win relationship is probably overused, but you know, at the end of the day, that really does feel like a scenario where both the customer and the sales rep get on that same yeah, page. That's a really, I'm glad you, you brought it back to that point. Because people can see that as kind of a self-centered motive, but it really is a win-win. Yeah. I win as a rep mm. if I choose my customer because, again, I have limited time and I can only serve a few people. And so I'm most efficient when I work on opportunities. Obviously, I focus on customers that ultimately I can help. Right. But it's also best for the customer. Yep. Right. Because I'm if I own the problem, right, and I choose to work with them, I'm really looking at it from their perspective saying, you don't, if I'm going to help you see what's best for you and what should happen to solve your problem. And if I can't help you, then I'm going to, we're going to quickly figure that out Yeah. because ultimately somebody's got to lead. I, I, I use this analogy a lot when I'm teaching a workshop about driving a car. When you first engage a customer, right, the customer's kind of driving the car. They're saying, this is where I want to go. And this is what I want to get accomplished. And yeah. this is what I want to happen. And, and a lot of reps kind of get comfortable being in the passenger seat. But the reality is the customer needs to move from the driver's seat to the passenger seat and the rep should drive because the rep has been down this road potentially hundreds of times. That's a great point. And so it's best for the customer to sit for us to move the customer over from the, the, the driver's seat to the passenger seat and lead them. And yeah. if you go, well, I really can't help you get there, get out of the car. Yeah. And it's probably a little uncomfortable. It'll be a little uncomfortable for the sales rep in some cases, but it's probably a little uncomfortable for the customer in some cases because they haven't seen sales reps act that way. And guess what that does? That probably makes you a little more unique than the the average sales rep yeah. out there, right? Well, it is all about motive. I mean, if the motive is truly to help the customer reach their desired destination and you have the expertise to do that because you've done it again hundreds of times right. and you communicate that to them, then I've, my experience tells me that they'll be comfortable with it. Okay. So, That's good. That's good. Good. Um, there's another great point. And again, there's several of these in, in this blog and, and uh, uh, I really encourage people to go read it. But um, you, you ask a very poignant question. Am I as a sales rep willing to and do I outwork my competition? You kind of you kind of you, you go into this in some detail, and uh, you know it's it's probably seems somewhat obvious to some people, but do I work harder than everybody else? It's it's a great question. How do you how, what what do you think is the dynamic at work there? Well, I think the reason I put that in the blog um, is because you know an inc- a great incubator for a lot of things that I learned about selling is when I started as on the tab and I started as yeah because we here we are you got you got to get the picture. We're in a basement, 
We have no employees. We have no experience in the market, really. We have no brochures, and we really have very little reason for you to talk to us. <laughs> That's right. And if you just stack this up against the competition, you know, we were going to lose. Yeah. And so we had to outwork the competition. Right. Right. We had to. So one of the things that we did early on, which actually serves us well now, is when customers would say, well, we want to, you know, see brochures and we want to learn more about you. We'd say, well, I'll tell you what, here's what we'll do. We'll come on site. We'll do an assessment for free. We'll get to know your organization. We'll spend time with your people. We'll listen to calls. We'll, but then we're going to present our, our recommendation back to you and we'll do all of this for free. And then that, then you're going to get to know, you know, some inf- you're going to get some information about your organization that you didn't have before. You're going to, com- you know, get to learn about us and, you know, we could communicate all the benefits of doing that. And then we were willing to spend literally a couple of days with them. Yeah. To, to, to do that. And then it, through that process, we were able, basically we outworked the competition and we were able to win a high percentage of the time when on paper we shouldn't. Right. And, and we've actually continued to do that to this day. And I still think about that every time I get in a very competitive or people get in a very competitive situation is well, what do we can do that no one else will do? Yeah. Yeah. Do that. Yeah, and it's you know I've I've only been here a short time, but I've noticed as we look as we look at our win rates and how we sort of implement some of this into our business, and our 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 win rates are very very high um, comparative to a, to the market in places where I've been before. Sometimes three four x what we've yeah. seen in the market, and so I think a lot of that it's due to the hard work. It's due to some of the other you know other centeredness that you that you brought up in the in the past. Well, and I want to connect this back to a previous point. Um, if you choose well, and, and, and it's probably helpful to, to share with, with anybody that's listening, you know, how do you choose? But if you choose well, which we, you mentioned, you know, it's, it's the opportunity real. Yeah. Right. Is there a real opportunity? I mean, is there a problem that you really can't solve? Is it can you win and is it worth winning? So if, it, if their problem is real and, and can you win, meaning is there really an opportunity for you to win? I mean, right. Like, for example, when we were small and in the basement and they needed 50 people to deliver programs to, you know, 50 people to deliver programs to 1,000 people, we couldn't Just win. Couldn't fit. It's yeah. not possible. There's only two of us. But can we win and is it worth winning, which is where a lot of people spend their time. Is yeah. the payoff for them. But if you look at those three things and you can and you choose well, then whatever you whatever you do to help them solve their problem, ultimately, right, is, is going to pay off. Yeah. Right. So if that, that's the it's the key. If you choose well, then, then do the work. Yeah. Right? Like th- this is somebody we should. Right. We should serve. Because it's so, now focused work. I mean, you're really you know exactly yeah. what you're working and towards. And it was free. Like if you know you can help people. Yeah. Then you then you're free to set your win aside and just serve, right? And I think that's sometimes where people have a struggle with serving their prospects or customers because they're not really sure if it's a win-win. Yep, yep, I got you. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, you know, we we um, th- there's there's several other topics that I'd like to get into, and I think probably what it makes sense to do is is come back for a second okay. <laughs> podcast because we've got a lot more uh, detail we can dive into on this topic. But any any sort of takeaways for this week? As for those that are commiserating because it was a rough week, or those that are celebrating because it's a good week, any pearls of wisdom we want to impart on our friends that are out listening to uh, to sales with Aslan this week? Well, you know, I, I, what comes to mind is, you know, I was just at a conference where I had to sell Aslan. I had to sell. I was I had the opportunity. I have several meetings and sell Aslan, yeah. and it actually wasn't a very 
successful conference. Mm. Um, and so I left there discouraged. But you know what? The good thing about it is it was a great opportunity for me to practice. So instead of leaving that conference going, well, we didn't get a lot of business, so therefore maybe this investment didn't pay off, I probably will benefit more by the opportunity to craft our message and yeah. work on why it didn't work and why it didn't resonate and, and how could we do that better and how could I communicate better um, than if we would have just gotten a bunch of leads. And, and, you know, so, I mean, I think it's just if you've had a rough week, yeah, lean into it, right, and just think about what do I need to learn and because that's where, you know, I think pain is a great teacher. Yeah. And so when we're, we're motivated by by sometimes stepping back and going, OK, that didn't go well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and we also and talked to a great week. Just drink beer. Well, and that's yeah. true. And the and these are very good, by the way. Yeah. So hopefully um, these two these two beers uh, will call in and want to sponsor the show at some point. Right. Um, but what's interesting is practice, but also the learning, right? So yeah. the, the the data that you gather in, in an event like that, that might not right. have been the most successful in terms of what you went there to get, but you you learn and you you gather more data that helps hone your message and and so on and so forth. So it's 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 a great point that I think even the losses or even the bad weeks have all all kinds of yeah. good uh, information we can yeah, pull out. Yeah, I remember Mark, our, you know, our president, yeah. said that one time. We, were, we just left a, a presentation and we put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. And he had a great takeaway. It's like, yeah, but we just learned a lot. Yeah. I mean, either we're either we're going to walk out and we're going to win a contract, or we're going to walk out and we're going to learn how to better, you know, better do our job. Yeah. And if you look at that, it's like you just continue to get better. And here's the cool thing: most people, and I would say probably ninety percent of the people, aren't practicing. Yeah. They're not working on it. So if you're willing to work on it, and you're willing to get outside your comfort zone, and you're willing to do the things that most people aren't willing to do you're going to be in the top easily top 10%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you practice, you pick the right customers where you can win and they've got a problem you can help solve and then you outwork everybody. That's a pretty good recipe, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, very good. Well, thanks so much for stopping by Tom. We'll, we'll get back after it again in another week and I wish everybody a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed another episode of Ales with Aslan. Good job, Scott. Ooh, I like that one. Was well that was another great podcast i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did being a part of it uh tom really did a nice job of taking us through the seven resolutions and specifically talked about do you practice uh your craft. And as you know, at uh, Ales with Aslan, we talk about master your craft, that double entendre of the craft beer, as well as the craft that we call selling. And he asks us to really think about as salespeople, do we practice enough? Uh, do we seek feedback from those we trust, whether it's a manager or a peer? Uh, you know, why is it so critical? And then we dove into, do you choose your prospects or do they choose you? And really taking the time to use that most precious resource that is time and focus our attention on the customers where we have a problem we can solve with our particular solution. And we spend the time with the customers that really uh, that we can help. And then finally, we really dug deep into do we outwork our competition? And uh, when you pick the right customers, when you practice your message and when you outwork your competition, success is inevitable. So thanks very much for joining another episode of Ales with Aslan. We'll see you next Friday.